we are talking about self-destruction, procrastination, self-sabotage, all those dirty little things that most people don't want to talk about. Welcome to The Underestimated Entrepreneur, where I share mindset, lifestyle, and business hacking tips, tools, and some painful lessons along my journey from growing my businesses, and also working with some of the top entrepreneurs, business leaders, and professional athletes. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of The Underestimated Entrepreneur. For those of you who don't know who I am, I'm Michael Mojo, founder of Mojo Human Performance Institute, where we focus on business mindset and lifestyle hacking for driven mofos. And the reason why I do these episodes is that most people waste their life and I just don't want you to be one of them. Today we have part one of our two-part series on a live training that I did on our Facebook page. And it's all about dealing with self-sabotage or breaking self-sabotage, dealing with procrastination, and also helping people with stress. So let's dive straight into it now. I hope you enjoy this and remember to listen in for part two. Tonight, we are talking about self-sabotage, procrastination, mental destruction. I'm going to be covering some key points, some key topics, and we are really going to be diving deep into what self-sabotage is, why it happens, and how you can break out of it. Most people that I know have self-sabotage. Actually, in fact, everyone has it, or what they label as self-sabotage. I'm going to break some myths with it. I'm going to explain the neuroscience behind why it happens how to make changes in regards to self-sabotage. I'm also going to be talking a lot about procrastination. It's something a lot of people talk about where they say, you know, Michael, I commit to things and I don't follow through. I set myself for goals, don't follow through on them. So we're going to be talking about that. I'm also going to be talking a lot about self-sabotage, mental self-destruction, those negative voices that most people have inside their head, how to consistently deal with them. But I'm going to be diving into some things that you probably haven't heard before. You know, there are a lot of people out there who talk about this stuff, but I really wanted to dive deeper into why these things happen so that you understand them and why it may be not what you think. And so I'm going to break a lot of the myths and misconceptions around things like self-sabotage, self-destruction, procrastination. So first of all, when we're talking about mindset and when we're talking about psychology, there are a lot of people out there who have bought into this myth or misconception of positive thinking. And the reason why I call it a myth and misconception is because based on a lot of the study and the data and the research that I've got, is that the brain is always trying to go to its most stable format. So it's trying to create stability. Now, when we're talking about positives, if you study physics, a positive attracts a negative in order to stabilize. Now, this isn't what we're taught in things like the law of attraction and the secret. And in fact, one of my good friends and colleagues, Dr. John D. Martini, was in that program or in that course. When he was in there, he spoke quite heavily about this idea of the law of attraction, creating things like attraction and repulsion forces based in physics. Now, what was happening was they ended up cutting out a lot of that stuff because they wanted to target a certain audience where it was all positive and all happy and everyone, you know, is having these great things happen to them, which he clearly explained that's not how it works. So most people who have seen things like The Secret or who understand mindset and psychology buy into this idea of just positive thinking. And if you think positive, positive things happen. But based on the field of study of physics, that's not what happens because in physics, anything that has a positive charge will attract a negative charge in order to create stability. So I went on a journey to start to find out more about this balancing principle or this idea of stability that happens within the mind or in the psychology. And that's where I came across work from Dr. John D. Martini, but I also came across ancient principles as well. And I noticed in a lot of ancient philosophies from Chinese philosophy to Ayurveda, to a lot of the ancient cultures or the older civilizations around the world, they had this idea of a balancing principle. And that's where yin and yang comes from. You can see it in many other forces as well. So there's an idea of 
a masculine force and a feminine force, and those two create a stability or a balance. Now, you can see that in relationships as well. You can also see these attraction forces happening in other fields of science as well. Like if you take chemistry, in chemistry, atoms and molecules are trying to stabilize and to stabilize their outer shell. If not, they become volatile and so on. So I'm not going to go too much into that, but you'll find that there is a lot of volatility in things that don't have stability. So we have to then ask ourselves a question based on this understanding or you know if you believe that maybe potentially it could be a new idea it could be a new thought that maybe our brain is trying to create some form of stability now i believe that a stable platform is the best place to i guess excel off of so if you have a look at a house you don't want to build a house off of an unstable foundation now if you're trying to build a business and you've got a leader who is very mentally and emotionally unstable and is stressed all the time and has these huge peaks and troughs and you know, he's trying to chase all this exciting stuff, but then ends up in ruts. That's very, very unstable. Now, that's going to be very hard to build a business off of. And so I see a lot of business owners who have a lot of stress and a lot of worry and a lot of concerns, and they don't know how to manage their psychology and their mindset. And then they wonder why their business is always chaotic and they can't trust staff. And there's all these fucking problems. That is probably part of it. Now, if you want a quality, intimate relationship and you're an unstable person, you're probably going to attract another unstable person because they're going to be your counterbalancer to try and create stability in the relationship but it's gonna be highly volatile. So coming back to this principle of the brain stabilizing, which I guess, you know, the philosophy has been out there for thousands of years. It's just, it's not reinforced in a lot of the psychology principles and NLP and all of that sort of stuff. So when we're looking at self-sabotage patterns, if we look at things from a place of stability, what is it helping us to do? How's it helping us to create more stability? What's going on? What I've found is over the years from studying mental and emotional balance and stability, you then start to dive into, well, how do people achieve? Now, I'm assuming most of you are on here because you want to achieve more, if not all of you. I mean, the personal development space is full of people who just are floating through life and want to be happy all the time and want everything to go well. But I find that they're not my community. The community that I consistently attract seem to be people that are extremely driven and they want to achieve more. They want to push hard. And so the rules of the game change when you're one of those people. This is why our community is called the Driven Mofos. Because what I found was before people would come to my events and they're like, I just want to be happy. I want life to be easy. I want everything to be okay. Like, I just want to be comfortable. And I'm going, holy shit, this is crazy because people who try to consistently achieve this idea of a comfortable life tend to not push themselves. And when they don't push themselves, they become extremely unhappy and it makes them extremely uncomfortable. So I don't know about anyone else out there, but the more you crave comfort, I've found that most people who consistently their goal is comfort normally live an extremely uncomfortable life and they're very rarely people that achieve a lot. Some of the most successful people that are some of the most comfortable people I've ever met are also those who tend to work extremely hard. They're good producers. They push themselves hard. They're good at dealing with stress. They're good at dealing with problems and they just tend to enjoy the process of life of being better. And so their focus isn't happiness and their focus isn't comfort. Their focus is growth. Now, those who tend to focus on growth tend to grow, but growth comes from a couple of challenges. One of the things that causes growth in nature is stress. So anything in nature that has stress will normally either grow or it dies. Now, there is a certain balance of stress that we need in order to grow. So for instance, if you have a tree that's in a drought, that tree will either die off or it will tap down deeper roots in order to get more water. So it actually becomes stronger. So by the time the next drought hits, it's actually strong and it's very stable and it's tapped down, it's got deeper roots. So what I've found is that there are so many people out in our society that have been convinced that the goal of life is happiness. 
But what I've also found is that if you look at the law of stability or the law of balance, those who crave happiness tend to be extremely unhappy because they feel it's this fleeting thing that just goes all the time. It's like, I'm working really, really hard to try to be happy and they're trying to be something and then they get momentary happiness and then it goes away again and then they're extremely unhappy. But that's creating a whole bunch of unrealistic expectations. So those unrealistic expectations set the person up to be unhappy in the first place. So that's the first thing is most people who are chasing a one-sided life end up with the opposite side coming true. Those who tend to focus on comfort tend to not make the decisions that they need to make in order to grow, in order to push, in order to expand. And so because of that, most people who comfort is their goal of life tend to live extremely uncomfortable. So once you understand this balancing methodology or this, I guess you could call it a universal law in Chinese philosophy, they called it yin and yang. Now in yin and yang philosophy, one of my friends is a Chinese medicine practitioner and he'll say that the more the darkness grows, the more the light has to expand also. So as the circle expands in the yin and yang principle, the other side also expands. So the more one person craves comfort, the more discomfort is created at the same time and they don't even realize it. And then the more that someone tries to crave certainty, the more uncertain stuff becomes in their life. And so this principle seems to be a consistent principle that you can see in human psychology over and over and over again. And as being someone who's dealt and worked with tens of thousands of people now, it's so obvious when someone comes to me and they just say, I want to have a comfortable life. And I go, do most of the time you feel uncomfortable? Like you're stressed out? Does it put a lot of pressure on you? And they're like, oh, all the time. So what happens is that most people, first of all, set themselves up for unrealistic expectations in life because humans are part of nature. And as I mentioned before, everything in nature grows or it dies. Nothing stays the same. So as humans, we have to decide, do we want to grow or are we slowly killing off parts of our lives? If you work extremely hard to make money, you might be growing the area of money. But at the same time, if you don't put some focus into your health and into your lifestyle, you may be killing off your lifestyle and you may be killing off your health. Some people spend all their time focusing on their idea of health, but at the same time, it's killing their mental health because at the same time, they're not checking in to see whether their idealisms of health are healthy or unhealthy and if they're causing these other problems in their life. So first of all, we have to understand in nature, things grow or things die. Now things grow because of stress. So if we don't want stress and we're always stress avoidant and we're looking for a happy life all the time, we wanna be comfortable, then we're probably gonna create a lot of discomfort, a lot of stress. It's called distress. So there's two types of stress. There's eustress, which is spelled E-U and then the word stress, so eustress, or distress. Distress is when there's too much chaos to handle. Eustress is beneficial stress where we handle the stress in order to consistently grow. So in life, either you're in control of the stress or the stress is in control of you. I guess you could say the stress is out of control. But it's a very fine line because optimum growth happens at high levels of stress. So if you're someone who wants to grow and you want to expand, then you need high levels of stress in order to keep growing, keep growing, keep growing. I know that we've had like rapid expansion of our business in certain stages of the growth and I have to try and slow it down because if not, it's too much stress. And not only does it stress me out, it stresses the team out. So as a business owner and a leader, I have to then try and pull things back to manage things to make sure that things don't get too out of control. But if you pull that stress back too much, things stop growing and then that creates its own problems. So there are a lot of people in life who are stress avoidant and then they wonder why their whole life is just chaos and shit keeps falling apart and there's always these problems and they can't get on top of everything. And it's like they're completely out of control. And that normally comes with the victim mentality. It normally comes with idealisms and what the perfect life should look like. 
It comes with unrealistic expectations, poor planning, poor mindset. These are some things that can cause large amounts of stress and large amounts of pressure. Now, so first of all, you've got in nature, things grow or things die, nothing stays the same. So I would assume that most people in here that want to achieve more, the goal then of your life is to grow. Grow, 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 which means stress, 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 stress. But you need to make sure it's you stress, beneficial stress, because if not, it can turn into distress. Now, it's a very fine line. You know, there are some days where I'm like, I set all my day up, everything goes great. And then by lunchtime, I'm straight away in distress. I'm like, holy shit, there's stuff going everywhere. Okay, I need to reprioritize. I need to refocus. I need to maybe journal for a minute and get everything back under control. And then off we go again. Because I'm trying to find the limits of the stress that's going to give me the maximum growth without it becoming too much stress. And no one ever gets it right all the time. That's the cool thing about life is when we think we've figured it out, we haven't. We just get reminded we haven't. And then there's another level. And then there's another level. And just on that, it's very, very interesting. I was watching a documentary a while ago. I think it was called Man's Search for Infinity. And it was about two scientists and mathematicians who were some of the greatest mathematicians in the world. And they were looking for infinity, what infinity is. And they ended up finding the mathematical equation of infinity. But when they really started diving deep into what infinity was, they actually found that there was another level of infinity. Then they studied it more and they found that there was another level and another level. And the more that they kept diving into infinity, they realized that infinity was an infinite scale that never finished. One of them ended up in a mental institution and the other one committed suicide because it was just too much for their brain to comprehend that there may be something that's completely infinite that just keeps going and going and going. Now, the reason why I tell you this is because in our own lives, when we think we've mastered a level, there's another level. And that level has new problems. It has new stresses. It has new pressure. If we focus on how we feel, we're going to feel like we never get on top of anything. But if we stop and reflect on our life and our growth, we will see that we've actually grown up levels and you start to grow beyond people around you. So my recommendation is if you're someone who's driven, you can't reflect on your stress because if you reflect on your stress and go, I'm still stressed, I'm still stressed, I'm still stressed, you may be growing to new and new heights and taking on bigger problems and solving bigger issues, which is great. That shows a lot of growth. And as a person, you're expanding a lot. But if you just focus on the stress, you go, I'm still stressed. And then the fantasy or the delusion that you have might be, I'm going to get rid of stress. You'll never get rid of stress because stress is part of growth. And in order to grow, we have to have stress. But then the key is, how much stress can we take on before it becomes distress and we become overwhelmed and that can cause a health crisis or a mental health crisis if you know we have too much distress for too long? How can we create that you stress where we get optimal stress that creates maximum growth and we expand as a person and also get the results that we want in life without destroying everything? Now, that's a very, very fine line. And that's why I spoke about infinity. So the reason why I'm talking about this is because a lot of people set themselves up straight away to fail in life because they don't understand life. Now, as a kid, I was never taught that our goal in life is to take on maximum stress in order to have maximum growth, which allows us to feel fulfilled and to grow and to keep going. What I got told is that, you know, we work hard so that we can make a good living and then we can go and buy stuff that makes our life easier. And so I had this idea that if I work really, really hard, everything gets easier. And then when I started my business, I was like, cool, when I have enough staff and they can do all this stuff and they can do all the hard stuff and I can just do the fun stuff. And then what happened was I realized that all that happened was I just got more and more stressed out because I'm like, shit, I'm still not doing all the fun stuff. 
and staff aren't as effective as what I wanted. And there's all this pressure and all this stress. And that's when I started realizing that it's not about getting rid of the stress. It's about making sure that I'm growing and that I'm working towards something meaningful in my life. So when you're clear with what you're working towards, which is meaningful, then you use that as a benchmark for your growth. And also you'll notice that you start growing beyond other people. Over time, you start outgrowing friends, you start outgrowing people around you, you start thinking differently. You're like, shit, I can't believe that most people around me don't understand what I understand. But that's because mentally and emotionally, you've grown beyond that. And if you do that, you'll actually find that life's really, really enjoyable, but you've got to reset your benchmarks. For me, my whole life when I was younger, up until probably about 35, was I want life to be easy. I want to be comfortable. I want to be financially independent. I want business to operate well so that I can just go out and teach all the time and I can just learn and everything's going to be easy. And then that all just got completely destroyed because I couldn't understand why for about a year and a half straight, I was completely stressed the fuck out. Distress, not good stress, distress. Losing sleep, why isn't everything working? And I had all those shitty questions a lot of people have. But what I realized was it was just life rattling the shit out of my brain to tell me that the things that I was thinking about weren't part of the journey of life and that I had to break away my thought processes and the stuff that I'd been taught when I was younger in order to excel. So now I know that every day there is stress. It's good because I'm growing. But now my goal is to manage that stress. And then whether I move into distress or whether I move into eustress, all depends on my ability to manage my mindset and my psychology and to see things as they are, to ask really high quality questions so that I can solve problems effectively, to make sure that my team are working effectively, and to make sure that we're on the path to consistently moving towards that mission. And the more that I do that, every day I can see us chipping away and chipping away and chipping away. And so because of that, I'm fulfilled because the benchmark that I set for life is different than the fantasy and the delusion that I used to have of an easy life, financial freedom, you know, everything's going to be easy. You know, if I have the perfect team, then the business is just going to run well without me and everyone's not going to rely upon me, which that's part of it. Like I've got a great team at the moment and it's super effective, but we're a team. So like in any sport, you can't take and remove one position and expect that everything's going to operate the same way. So I'm part of that team. My job now is to be part of that team and make sure that everything's working effectively and that I'm in it. So I have to be consistently in it. Coming back to it, Maximum growth happens at maximum stress without it turning into distress. So maximum new stress. The second thing that I want to break the fantasy and delusion is that everything in the universe expands or contracts. Nothing stays the same. So you can study any field of science. And look, I could be wrong on this, but after having studied many, many fields of science, everything seems to either expand or contract. Nothing stays the same. Now, expansion always happens through pressure. So if we're not consistently taking on pressure, then we're not expanding. And if we're not taking on stress, we're not growing. So if we're a driven person that wants to achieve great things in life, we have to then start to get comfortable with the philosophy of pressure and stress. But it's how you control the pressure and the stress. If you set up fantasies of though, I shouldn't have all this pressure and I shouldn't have all this stress, then maybe it's distress. Or the other thing might be is that maybe you've got a delusion that life shouldn't be that way. And that's probably one of the things that fucks people up the most. Okay, I have to deal with this stuff every day. Business shouldn't be this stressful. Life shouldn't be this hard. I shouldn't be sabotaging all the time. I shouldn't have these problems. My kids should just do this stuff. And there's all these shoulds that they set themselves up for absolute failure. So we've got to be careful of those patterns. The other thing that we have to be careful of if you want to grow is that you've got to be careful with the victim mentality and playing the victim card. 
that the more responsibility that you can take on, now it doesn't mean that you're responsible for everything that happens, but what it means is asking the question, what was my responsibility in this situation? How could have I avoided it? How could have I done something different? How could have I changed it? Like, what could have I done? Because when you get those learnings and lessons, you get to take them into the future as new knowledge. If you don't, you normally repeat the pattern. And so what I've found over two decades now of studying human behavior is that anything that we don't learn from, we get to repeat the pattern. So our life is a consistent, direct reflection of our ability to learn and use those learnings. And the things that we haven't learned, we end up in something called a vicious cycle. And that vicious cycle creates pain for us so that we become more aware and we become more reflective. So when most people are in pain, they reflect. That doesn't mean that their reflection is good. Okay? A lot of people aren't taught how to reflect effectively or how to use their mindset to think through things and ask themselves good questions to figure things out. So what most people do is when they're stressed, they become reflective. Now, that can also create more stress and more pressure and more problems when they don't know how to operate their mindset effectively, ask the right questions, untangle everything and get the learnings out of it. So then what most people do in our society is they drink, they take drugs, they go and get medicated, they avoid the pattern, which means they might get caught up in other people's drama. So they'll start talking about other shit. They're worried about what Kim Kardashian's doing. And they judge, you know, what happened at the Brownlow. And then they watch sport and football and all that stuff all weekend. Because then they can say, that team's shit, they're crap. And they can point out everyone else's inefficiencies and ineffectiveness. And for a while, it takes everything away. So they forget about it. But then eventually they repeat the pattern again. And then they go, fuck, why am I still stuck in this shit? Like, I can't understand it. I've been going through this crap for ages and I can't figure it out. Well, first of all, you've got a mindset pattern that you don't know how to dig the learnings out of. And so because of that, you're bound to repeat the pattern. And then the second thing is you consistently use distractions in order to avoid learning what you need to learn so you don't repeat those things. They're part of the patterns. Now, let's get into self-sabotage and procrastination and self-doubt and all those sort of things and how we start to unblock our mental blocks. So first of all, I spent a long, long time creating our Thrive Time event. Now, it keeps getting updated. Every year it gets updated. Normally, every couple of months it gets updated. And the reason why I do that is because I'm looking for the greatest human behavior tools on the planet. And as you can probably see behind me, if you're watching this, you can see that I study a lot. I mean, they're not just there for looks. I wish I'd spent that much money on books just for the looks. Yeah, I read a lot and I do a lot of research and I do a lot of study and I travel all around the world and I'm trying to learn from the smartest people that I can get access to. Because what I'm trying to find out is how, first of all, do I become the most successful that I can become and live the greatest life that I can possibly live? That's me being selfish. But part of that journey is I also realized from a young age that I love learning and I love bettering myself. And so because of that, I wanted to share what I've learned along my journey with other people using myself as a crash test dummy. So I went and did all the positive thinking events and I'm fist pumping the air and I'm getting all jacked up. And then I couldn't understand why I kept burning out. And I'm going, shit, why do I end up in these ruts? I couldn't figure it out. I did all the health stuff. So I was, you know, I had chronic fatigue when I was younger. So I'm doing all the organic eating and eating all this organic food and I'm still bloody tired all the time and I couldn't figure it out. And then what I realized was the more mentally and emotionally unstable I am and the more I keep searching for these positives and these highs and being energetic all the time, the more I would burn out. And I noticed that after going to a lot of motivation events where I'm high-fiving the air, fist pumping and jumping up and down, the more I would do that, the more I would burn out afterwards. So I would notice normally the day or two days after that event, I would crash and I would stay in a rut and then I'd start beating myself up. You've set all these big goals. You've got these unrealistic expectations like I just want to be productive all the time and I just want to achieve all this great stuff. Yet you're lying on the couch going, I'm burnt out, I'm so tired and your brain's kicking in going, 
you lazy piece of shit. What are you doing? Get up, go do stuff. You've got all this stuff to achieve. What are you doing? They're achieving stuff. You're not achieving stuff. And you start creating self-comparisons to other people. The more I did that, the more I found myself in these huge mental and emotional peaks and troughs because I thought that I could be hyperactive without being hypoactive. I couldn't figure out why I had all these big goals and dreams that kept popping up in my head, but I'd kept self-destructing. It wasn't until I realized that there is a bunch of things that you need in order to stay efficient and effective. And the goal of life isn't to have highs. The goal of life is to be consistent. Now, I know that I've been training now at the gym. I first started lifting weights when I was 14 years of age. Now, I haven't missed longer than, I don't think, a week, maybe a week and a half max. And that's if I'm sick. Since I was 14, I'm now 39. It's been a long time. Now, when I look at that, I don't even think about, shit, I've got to go to the gym today. I just wake up and I just train. Why? Because the consistency helps. Now, is my diet always consistent? Probably not. Do I gain weight? Yes. Do I lose weight? Yes. Is my training though consistent? Yes. Now, when I look at that, it's just because I book it in my calendar and I just go and get it done. And then what I found was that things in my life that had these consistent volatilities, the more I kept setting myself up with volatilities, the more shit would become volatile. So the more I would go on fist pump the air and jack myself up and get all motivated, the more I'd crash. The more sugar and shit I ate and the more I would eat all this crazy food and binge eat, the more guilty I would feel. But then afterwards, the more I push myself really, really hard in training. And so I would train really, really hard. And then all of a sudden, bang, I'm burnt out and I'm tired again. I'm like, shit, why don't I feel like training today? Why don't I feel like exercising? I would naturally have this sabotage pattern where I would overeat food and I would binge eat. And then I would feel guilty. I would feel like shit. I'd beat myself up. And then two days later, I'm at the gym training hard again. And so my life was high intensity, high crash, high intensity, deep rut, high intensity, deep rut, high intensity, deep rut. And I wondered why I couldn't get this consistency and this traction. Whereas when I look at the one thing that I've been consistent with, which was the gym at the time, I was just consistent. I would wake up, I would go train. Now, it was the hard and the intensity that I was pushing myself that would create the peaks and troughs, but I would still train most days, right? I might miss one or two days every couple of weeks or whatever. But I found that my mental and emotional peaks and troughs were causing me to self-destruct. So what I found was that after studying a lot of different human behavior, after going to lots of different courses, I've spent over a million dollars on study up to this date, okay? It's a lot. And what I found was that there were some consistent things that you had to get. First of all, you have to understand where you're heading in life and you've got to understand yourself. Now, from a young age, the first thing you probably said was no. That's one of the first words that children learn, no, because they're telling you what they don't want. But the first thing that parents normally teach their kids is no. And so the child starts to learn no really, really early. Now that comes from implanted or projected values and beliefs from other people. So when a parent says, don't do that, the child doesn't do it in the hope to please the parent. Because the parent, if you have a look at the survival response and the survival mechanism, the child needs food, safety and sustenance. It needs a roof over its head and it needs nurturing, okay, in order to survive. Imagine having a child and all of a sudden you go to feed the child and all it does is just shit all the time and eat food, which is essentially a newborn. And that child tells you to go fuck yourself. You just go, why did I even have this thing? And so there's a high likelihood that you probably wouldn't want it. So the child then starts to adapt its behavior in order to get what exactly what it needs. Safety, nourishment, and security. And then also it gets nurtured. And so the child then starts to adapt its behavior 
for the parents or the parental figure. So over time, as the child starts to grow, it keeps adapting its behavior in order to try to please others. And it will do it then for grandparents. It then starts to do it when it goes to school in order to fit into a group. Because this is also a survival response. Humans have this, I guess you could say, more primitive part of the brain where our natural survival response is to fit in. Because if we were kicked out of the tribe a thousand years ago, you might have to sleep outside tonight and the lion, the tiger, the jaguar or whatever could come and eat you. So there's this natural response where we want to fit in because it keeps us safe and it protects us. But in this day and age, it's also the thing that traps us. Because a lot of people that I know and who come to our events and are also part of the community want to go out and want to achieve all this great stuff. They want to do things that are better than the normal or the average. And so then you start doing stuff, you get some criticism, you go, oh shit, maybe I need to adapt my behavior because maybe I've upset someone. And so over time, you start adapting your behavior from a really young age, and that's because of the implanted values and the implanted beliefs of others. Now, most people have imbalanced beliefs and biased beliefs. They also have different values to you. And so your values and their values are going to clash. Like I have a high value on teaching and learning, but there are a lot of people who write stuff on my Facebook wall and they're like, I can't believe that anyone would spend this money to go to your events. You're a scam artist. I can't believe anyone would do this. Yet at the same time, they've just spent $40,000 going and getting a university degree. And that university degree, they're going to go to uni and potentially like some people, they will go to university, get their degree and then realize it's not what they want to do. And then so they've just wasted $40,000. Yet they perceive that I'm the scammer because they don't actually have a high value on learning. They had a high value on pleasing others, which maybe it was their parents who told them to go to university. So what happens is their values clash with my high values, which is teaching and learning. I love teaching people what I learn. So they don't perceive the value in what I do. Whereas there are other people out there, probably like most of you who are on here tonight, who have a high value of learning, being better and self-growth. So you're not going to have that same clash. You're probably like, this is cool. I get to learn. You'll have friends that sit there and go, why the fuck would you spend a night watching this shit? Like, this is just, why? Like, just live your life, man. Don't worry about it. It's just, this is all bullshit. But that's because their values don't align with that. They don't have a high value on teaching and learning potentially. Or they might have a high value on the style of learning. So some people will only learn in a university system because that's what they've been indoctrinated into thinking. And that's what they think learning is. Some other people just don't see any value in it. Some people have a very high value of wealth creation. Then there's a whole bunch of other people out there who have no value on wealth creation. So they will call the wealth creators scammers and frauds. And you know they just rip people off and they don't give a shit about people. But they're not, they're just living their values. And so there always has to be a counterbalancer and people counterbalancing each other with their values. But the important part is in order to achieve great things in your life and stop self-destruction or prevent as much self-destruction as you can and self-sabotage, the first thing that you have to do is to get clear with your values. You need to know what your values are and their priority order because then you can make good, clear decisions. And it's not about what you say yes to, it's about what you say no to. I get invited to shit all the time. People invite me to stuff. You should come out drinking. You should come to this party. And I go, look, I would love to, but I can't make it. Why? Because if you have a look at my value structure, I don't want to go out on a Friday and Saturday night and get absolutely smashed with everybody. I'll go out and drink every now and again. I went out on Friday night and had drinks and I enjoyed it. I had a good night. I got home at 1.30 in the morning, but I suffered Saturday and Sunday as well. I wasn't that effective. Would I do that every weekend? No way, because it removes me away from my mission. And I'll talk more about that in a little bit. So the first thing is your values. You have to understand what they are. Then what you've got to do is you've got to clarify those values because not only do you need to understand what your values are, you need to understand what the value order is and you also have to understand what those values mean to you in your own unique way. So my highest value is connection, but I call that high value connections. 
because I love connecting with people that love to learn and I also love connecting with people that love to teach. So that's why at most of our events, I go out and I hang out with the participants because I love to teach, but I also love to learn. Now, I don't like hanging out with people who just like to talk about random shit all the time because that, to me, that's not my way that I connect. My second highest value is teaching and learning, but it's related to my purpose of human behavior. So that's my expertise is human behavior. And the majority of stuff that I teach in business is all around people and human behavior. And that's my expertise. Because what I realized is that almost every problem in business is a human-related problem. Very rarely do you not have a human behavior problem in a business. Marketing is human behavior. Sales is human behavior. Leadership is human behavior. I mean, pretty much everything in business is human behavior. Yeah, it's the thing that most business owners focus the least on, right? They'll go to a sales course and they'll learn about sales, but they don't learn about fucking how to deal with people. And they don't learn about how to deal with problems. They might follow a script really, really well, or they might understand the sales process, but they don't understand how to deal with different personalities and different values and assess all those things. Driven mofos, I hope that you've enjoyed this episode. This is part one of our two-part series. Please, if you haven't already done so and you're loving this podcast, please remember to leave a five-star rating. All you need to do is click on the little stars on whatever podcast app you're listening to it on. It only takes about two or three seconds and it helps us to get more traction on these social media platforms. So it does make a difference. It'll only take you two to three seconds. So if you haven't already rated and reviewed this podcast, if you could please do so, it does make a massive difference. And I look forward to you joining me back here once again for another episode of The Underestimated Entrepreneur. 